0: This is the Colonel Rad Alert. Civil defense information will be broadcast at 640. West of the Rockies, you're on
1: the air. Hello. Y2K, how can we prepare? Stop a few of their machines and radios. Throw them into darkness for a few hours. We are fighting for our lives. My family must survive. Over five years.
2: Thousand gallons of gas. Air filtration. Water filtration.
1: at you from the frozen tundra that is east central alberta canada streaming live on youtube facebook twitter twitch telegram rumble and odyssey welcome back to the workshop where we create community find freedom promote preparedness and share success i am tool man tim today is march the 19th 2023 and this is episode 275 of the workshop podcast so how the hell is everybody out there Good to have you all. We're just a couple of minutes late running. No big deal at all. We're going to get the announcements out of the way. Also, fellow delinquents in the workshop, do not forget to share this around on social and let all the rest know that we are live. Three quick things. Self-Reliance Festival is... I guess you could say this weekend at this point, but it's coming up March 25th, 26th, Camden, Tennessee, $95 for the weekend. You'll get your money's worth with the very first speaker. So if you're anywhere within driving distance, do me a favor and go check out a whole bunch of my friends. Uh, if you want to support the workshop, patchofthemonth.co, 10 bucks a month, $100 a year. That's the easiest way. And finally, I've been talking about this, but it was big news. I'm going to be at the Thrivalist Fair in Addie, Washington, May 28th and 29th. We're going to be having a workshop get-together there as well. But The cool news is Paul Wheaton was just announced as a guest speaker there. I'm stoked, and that's 50 bucks for an entire family for the whole weekend. All the links are in the description. And finally, today's tool is the Itexity Luggage scale, as you can imagine, we've used that a bunch of times around here in the last few days. It's eleven ninety nine on Amazon, and the thing just absolutely works. I liked it so much, I bought a second one. Well, it's because I couldn't find the first, but it really does. So with that, let's bring on Russ and Andrea. Hey, guys, how are you? Very well. Good, how are you? Not bad at all. So I'm a bachelor for the next 18 days. So, if anybody hears any critters running and screaming upstairs, it's because the dogs don't have a babysitter tonight. So. how <laughs>
0: so, are
2: right. all about that.
1: Good. Excellent. <laughs> so, you guys have snow farms in Oklahoma?
0: Correct. Yeah, we're uh, between Marietta and Medill, just over the Red River from Texas.
1: Okay. And we met at Self-Reliance Festival, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. and you guys were just... Had you just started or just getting ready to start your... Kind of content creation journey.
0: I think we just got we were just getting ready to start. We may have done an episode or two.
2: Yeah, we were trying to figure out how to get it onto fountain and you helped me get it onto fountain.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was when we when I was prepping for the show, I'm like, I remember Andrea emailed me a while back. I was like, yes, I'm glad. And then I looked and I'm like, yeah, they're kicking (laughs) ass. Kept going. You guys are up to date with your podcasts. I'm proud of you. So keep it up. (laughs) Thank you. So do you want to, um, usually when it's one person, I always ask, you know, go back and fill me in on where you came from and what your first job was. And you guys can jump back and forth, but just kind of tell me your story a little bit.
0: You go ahead. What was your first job?
2: First job? <laughs> I don't know. I babysat. <laughs>
0: um, I worked in the fields in Idaho. That was my first job. So I topped corn, uh, dug corgates, and uh, basically whatever they told me to do from light to dark. And then I got a, my first job in a restaurant I thought I would died and gone to heaven. Do you remember in, how much
1: you were getting paid on the farm back then? I do.
0: I do because Idaho is really weird. So there's no overtime for ag workers in the state of Idaho. So it was 4.25 an hour. Okay. And so it was like I said from light until dark. And uh, oh. it was it was it was a great first job. It, it's made everything much easier since.
1: <laughs> so how long have you guys been married? We've been married almost 12,
0: 12 years. years? Yeah. This, this I, uh, June will be 12 years. August.
1: <laughs> I think you remembered because um, yeah, I know it was August for us as well, but
0: I can never remember the date. But
2: <laughs> He remembers because our youngest was born on our anniversary. <laughs>
0: it's, a, it's the only thing that saved my life.
2: Oh, that is
1: awesome. Yeah. That is
0: incredible. Yeah. Because she's getting ready for his birthday. I'm like, I got to get ready for the anniversary thing again.
1: My my dad, he's in the worst scenario ever. His anniversary is on his mother-in-law's birthday. So that's (laughs) like, oh
2: yeah, that's bad news. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is pretty bad. (laughs) So how'd you guys meet? So we actually went to elementary school together. And then we grew up through high school together. I have two girls that we share, but they have a different dad. I was married previously, and he says that he remembers me on my not, bachelorette party. No, <laughs> no, it
0: was your rehearsal dinner.
2: A rehearsal dinner. Yeah. I don't remember.
0: <laughs> she she'd had one or two too many, but I do remember. I was at I was at a coaching clinic that night. I came. We were in the going to the bar, and uh, I remember thinking, "There's another great gal I'm not going to get to marry." And then about oh uh, <laughs> that is oh so yeah. Sweet. Yeah, and then about uh, what nine years later, yeah, I we started dating, so that yeah, worked out because she we no, like I said, we've known each other forever. Ran around, she dated my best friend <laughs> in high school, and thankfully, it's a really sweet Mormon kid with no game, so there was no hard feelings.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What part of Utah were you from? Or sorry, not Utah, uh, Idaho. Sorry, it's all it's
0: one big Mormon place. Yes, um, so we lived in Payette. Yeah. I, I graduated high school from a little town called Middleton which is okay. just for outside of Boise now
1: okay nice and
0: uh I've been in the military for a really long time i mm-hmm. was college basketball coach for eight seasons and then I had to get a real job and went back into service full-time so <laughs> I'm coming up on uh, retirement soon so what do you what do you do if you if you want to talk about oh, well listen brother, there's no super, super you know secret squirrel stuff I'm an airfield manager I'm basically a concierge for a gray-haired flying club. So I take care of a bunch of, uh, airline pilots that come out for drill weekend. So
1: are they high maintenance?
0: (laughs) That, that, that would be, yeah, they're, they're super sweet guys. I I have, I have a lot of fun at my job, so I have a ton of fun there. I love
1: it. How close are you to calling or quits?
0: I can retire in June of this year. And the longest I can go is about six more years. So sometime the next six years, I will be here on the farm full time. So. So I, I've had a ton of, of veterans on here and
1: a lot of active service that's still homestead. So how does, how does that work for you guys? Cause I'm, are you away a fair bit or how does that work?
0: Yeah. Well, the, our story, cause we started out when, when we were dating, I told her what I wanted. I said, I want a homestead. I want Aww. more than 10 acres. Oh brother. We, I was broke as a joke. <laughs> so I had 20 suits. I had all these, Emblems, shoes, shoes. Oh my God, a, a couple hundred pairs of shoes. I was a sneakerhead. Oh and, uh, so the first year after we got married, we did it was a year and a half. Mm-hmm. We did the Dave Ramsey thing. So I sold all my cars. I was on foot. I moved to Providence, Rhode Island. So we were apart four out of the first five years of our marriage between job out East, uh, deployments, tech schools. And then I took a job down in Texas. So,
1: can we talk a little about that you talking about the snowball method for Dave Ramsey? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because Becky and I did something like it before we knew what it was, but it took us a long time to I don't know. We we didn't even I mean we knew we dug a hole, but we didn't know how big, deep it was, right? So Right. <laughs> how did So when you guys came together, of course this was different with you two because a little later in life. So you, did you each bring your own debt or I yes. guess one yep.
0: yeah. Yeah, we, we did. So hers was just basically uh, student yeah, loan, loan debt, okay. and then for me, like I said, I, I had a house. Um, I didn't have any student loan debt, but I had you know some credit card debt. I had the cars. I had a home equity line of credit, and we were upside down in the house because I bought the house before the, the the housing crash. I bought the house in two thousand five, right before the peak in Idaho, <laughs> and then I I ended up we in that was twenty fourteen when we mm-hmm. sold the house. <sighs> Wish we would have held on, but it was. <laughs> i sold it for two thousand dollars more than i bought it for okay after putting 20 grand into it to fix it up so the the housing market in Idaho didn't recover probably until 2016 2017 Mm -hmm. and then it just the last three or four years back there it's been been insane it's been the story everywhere so but yeah yeah so i I had that debt we talked about it and and i had a plan that Mm -hmm. when we started dating i knew what it was going to do. And that's the whole thing about Dave Ramsey. God, what a shtick that is. The entire plan you can put in a half sheet of paper. It's so damn simple. But it, it, really it, is. To live it Yep. And the guy's made a quarter billion dollar empire app. God bless it. Good on it. Right. He's yeah. helping some folks, but it was, you know, sell everything that's, you know, debt backed, pay off everything and live like a hobo for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And for the entire time I was in Rhode Island, I ate the same meal every day for 18 months.
1: What was banana
0: it? for breakfast, a slice of pizza and a, and a Dr. Pepper at lunch and two eggs and a fried uh, diced up potato, potato for dinner. Wow. So, oh yeah, I was serious about it, but we, I had 60,000 in debt um, and I paid that off in 18 months. Mm-hmm. Right. You so. know what's funny?
1: Almost everybody you talk to that does it, it's usually 18 months to two years. Now I know there's some that are in worse cases, but Almost everybody I've talked to, that seems to be when you finally go right to the wall and decide you're going to do it. It's, it's like two years or a little less.
2: Well, and I didn't get my student loans paid off until I turned 40. And so our oldest daughter, she's going, she took a gap year. She graduated last year. And now she's looking at college, and we're like, listen. Yes, I know. <laughs> Right now. Don't go to college if you don't know what you want yeah. to do. Don't just go and pile up all this debt because then you're just going to end off paying it forever. forever. Yeah, <laughs> and
0: it really is a millstone on your neck, right? Mm. But the big thing with her, the way we've talked with both our the older girl, because we have a two and a half year old and we have a 19 year old and a should be Sixth, seven, seventeen yeah. in May. And the way I've talked to him about deciding on their college plan is you have to bring me a business plan. So hmm. how much is it going to cost? What's it going to pay? How many people are competing in it? How old is the industry? Because you want to pick an industry where everyone's in their 50s or 60s because there's going to be a ton of room for upward mobility. That's so a great
1: you, tip. I never thought
0: of that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's just like farming, right? You've got the average age of farmers in the, in, in the States somewhere well over 60. Yep. Here so here there's be. going to be a ton of opportunity moving forward um on that side and that's that's something we can talk about you know later on is i'm i've got some land from at least from the 82 year old for zero dollars he's just happy to have somebody take care of it go you know look at the fences clear land out you know so that side there's all kinds of opportunity right now if you're looking for it with all the doom and gloom stuff there's never been more opportunity if you're willing to go work and, and network mm-hmm. and leverage things
1: man i love hearing that because we have a saying here the the must be nice saying we always talk about the must be nice people because when you say something like you've got a bunch of land leased for 0 dollars people who aren't get shit doneers are going to look at that and think huh, well isn't he lucky well no i bet you went out and made your own luck right that's <laughs> yeah. exactly what happens
0: well and it's it's 80 acres that hasn't been touched in probably 25 30 years so it is overgrown mm-hmm. the fences are kind of Beat down and it's i've been working on it for a year already and it's still not something to put cows on it's probably going to be six more months and short of me you know renting a dozer at you know 200 bucks an hour to have somebody come and clear lanes there's just no other way to do it so it's just but free firewood um lots of exercise so on that side
1: so you russ were the one that came up with the idea of homesteading or
0: you you're you brought it with you uh, yes I, I did yeah so <laughs> I, I, grew up. I like that Andrea yeah. I know yeah. I get it yep. yeah so I grew up on a um in I guess a sesame farm is probably the closest way to to describe it so we had a couple hundred acres in Arkansas that was family land when I was a kid and it grew rocks and snakes and nothing profitable and and my parents and that was the thing too right of my dad was born in 24, fought World War II. So, I'm, you know, I'm just like my boy. My dad's super old. But my parents looked at me as free labor, right? And that's one of the things about Joel Southam. For all the marketing and, and you know, folksy down-home humor and stuff, his talking about making sure your kids get paid for everything they do on the farm, man, that makes sense. Because I, I was on the first thing smoking at 18 to go make money for myself. So, and, and that was a, a really big thing about for the, we missed out on the opportunity for the reds. They were just too mm-hmm. old and, and moving from Idaho to Texas where, uh, <laughs> where the, the last farm was, it's hotter than the surface of the sun there for about four months of the year.
2: And everything wants to kill you. <laughs>
0: it's, it's basically Australia <laughs> with better barbecue. I was going to really. say,
1: yeah, that's what it sounds like Australia. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's, uh, we, we missed that window for them. And that's the thing for Samuel. I mean, we're already, talking about that. And we're very conscious about mm-hmm. giving him his little fiefdom, and everything you make on this is yours. And
1: Oh, that's th- great news or great. Y- advice. Yeah.
0: And Salatin talks about that in a couple of his books, but ideally what we'd like to have is the kids either just being able to live here, you know, here's a quarter acre for you. Awesome. Go down, you know, work in town, whatever, but helping them get that start. And, and that's really the thing, right? Cause
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, my, my dad, him and my mom split 15, never saw him again. So I didn't have that male influence, right, and that generational thinking of what a dad should bring. So that's one of the things I'm really cognizant of, Even, and especially for the Reds we were talking today about, mm-hmm. with Big Red, about school, how much it's going to cost, and those li- those choices you make right now, the lifelong impact. And so everything's that same way, right? It doesn't matter if you're playing a tree. It doesn't matter if you're you know, figuring out where to put your barn. All those things you have to think about. Was it do for me today? Was it do in five years, 10 years? How much extra work? How much does it save me? All those things.
1: That I, I'd like to park there just for a minute, because sure. in my area talking about the, um, about kids, I, I, I don't read a lot of, well, I really haven't read anything of Joel. I just know about Joel through Jack because, you know, right. Jack Spearco talks about him. But um, in my area, that is a big problem is the kids on the farm are just kind of expected to help, until mom and dad or mom and dad decide to give it to them or pass away. Mm-hmm. And the successful farms that I've seen have been the ones where, um, you know, when they hit 18, they're, you know, either they buy into the farm or they're given the farm or they've earned a piece of the farm because there doesn't seem to be nearly as much resentment that way.
0: Absolutely. I had a, I'm a really good friend, a teammate in high school, um, who's all oh, that they had 600 acres of row crop. They, and then they did uh, a feedlot as well. So it was a big mm-hmm. conventional farm. But that kid at 14, because in Idaho back in the day, you got a full license at 14. So when mm-hmm. we were in junior high, the, the dumb kids <laughs> had been held back were driving to school. They had students yeah. in junior high. <laughs> but he bought a brand new truck every year, even then, because he was working that much. Mm-hmm. But they had already had a succession plan they were talking about when he was 14 years old. Wow. And and that's... And, they, the farm's turned over. His sister still lives there. She does the books to the farm. She has another job off farm. Um, his wife has a greenhouse on the farm. And, you know, she works during the summer when the kids are there. But it, it's been really awesome to be able to be around that and see what is possible. But they, like I said, they were thinking about that when he was talking about those things when he was 14 years old.
1: And that wasn't something traditionally done on farms. At no. least not a lot. no. I, I think this generation going forward, I think it's going to be simply yeah. because it's built into it. I might be wrong. What do you think?
0: Well, I, I think so I, I bet probably a third to half are looking at this. But then you have a bunch of the boomers who are like, This is my money. Uh, you gotta go do your own. I'm gonna go to, you know, I'm gonna have three vacation homes mm-hmm. and take vacations all over to Europe and whatnot. And they're spending their their money, even though it was passed on to them. And, but I think on the other side, I think you've got more folks, you know, cause we're solidly Gen X, right? We were both, I was 75, she was 76. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at the mistakes that our parents made and then how do we fix these things? And then again, Joel Salton, t- if you haven't read his books, there's a couple that are really worth your time, but um, generational wealth, how do you get not just your kids, but your great, great grandchildren, all these lessons that we've learned, how do you pass that down? And how do you make that part of your family's culture? About, you know, just because you work harder than everyone else doesn't mean you're going to be successful or have long term wealth. There are these other things you have to do. You pay yourself first, stay out of debt. There's still good debt, right? There are things that if you leverage money to make more money for yourself, that's great. But all these lessons, you've got to be talking to your kids. And we've done a really good job, I think, with the mm-hmm. Reds. The Reds are our soulless gingers. So <laughs> I get you. I kind of figured. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we've, we've done a really good job with them about showing them here's our monthly budget. Here's how much we make. Here's how much we take home. Here are all of our bills. Here's, and we talk about all the time, uh, because we, we sold the place in Texas. The market hadn't spiked all the way, but we got out and did really well. We came to a place where the market hadn't caught on fire yet mm-hmm. and bought before things got just silly. Yeah. Because by 2021, the spring of 2021, this everything doubled. Yeah, real land here in the south—it's insane. But and just in trying to show those lessons about delayed gratification—you know, you get two donuts if you can wait for having this donut for another 30 minutes. It really is—you know—simple <laughs> things like that. But so there are all these things, and and I am uh, a chronic overthinker and an overreader. So <laughs> I'm. Okay. Yeah, everything that we do before we before we jump into anything, I have watched a hundred hours of YouTube videos and read about it and and really tried to figure out all the pluses and minuses, what's going to do for us. And then back to Andrea. So where she came into this. <laughs> so when we moved up here.
2: Um, I was I, teaching at the junior high school, seventh grade okay. English, and uh, I in Texas, I coached and taught and had the kids so there was no time really for me i could go outside get bitten by fire ants scared by a six-foot rat snake welcome to texas that was the
0: first day <laughs> i pulled a six-foot long rat snake out of the chicken <clears throat> house um but we had time so when we came up here and the pandemic really broke poor kids right yeah. rich kids middle class kids where their parents were involved they they were fine or came out of it better than they were before but from middle class with you know apathetic parents to poor kids those kids are broken now i mean mm-hmm. they just they had a couple years they were just feral and you think about if i think about me at 14 or 15 if i'd had the internet in my hand and no supervision
1: oh yeah you know i know what i did without the internet with yeah that. yeah <laughs>
0: absolutely right so you just have all these kids that the, the behavioral problems that you're seeing from those kids and there's the way our schools are set up. There's just no way to fix it. You can't discipline those kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she had kids throw books at her in class and this isn't a small rural, super conservative, you know, town in Oklahoma, this stuff's going on. And, uh, so I, I I've done, we, we talked about it a lot and financially, we were in the place where like, we were paying for, for daycare. Mm-hmm. And we he sat- just
2: kept he just kept getting sick. He Our had four earaches in a row, and I was like, "This has to stop because I can't. I don't have any more sick leave." Yeah. Well,
0: part of you know, he came home with a binky, and he didn't have a binky ever. Yeah. So was, oh, listen, we, I get you. Trust me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was a baby <laughs> fight club there, just the snot and binkies. <laughs> so we, we we sat down, and did the math, and I, I worked really hard, got another promotion at work, and I said, "I think we could do this, mm-hmm. and and make all the numbers work," and then. We started it and Andrea, because I'm, I'm down at Fort Worth, you know, during the week and she took up all of and, it. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. But it was the big thing, taking a step back is the amount of time we talked about this and, and she started seeing, cause I, I am forever grateful about the pandemic because Andrea went from being blissfully, unaware of anything going on in the world to where now she's to the right of Attila, the hun, as far as <laughs> I'm going to raise my own food and I'm going to, you know, stay strapped everywhere she goes, all these things. And is it it's just for our family, such a better deal to have mom at home. And we can talk about how she supplement her income and, and all those different things, but she's really carrying the, the load now, the day-to-day chores. And then I'm selling all the beef and the eggs. Mm-hmm. But it really has, and it's, and that's the other thing too, you know, if you're doing this as a couple and it goes from one person to the other one starts taking the yam and the share of the work. Um, I have to take a step back from time to time because I am telling her what I would do. And she'd be like,
1: Nope, <laughs> you know, you're not here, buddy. Yeah. Do it. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's, that's definitely been something for me that I've had to be cognizant of and, and be aware of.
1: So for you, Andrea, did you have much experience homesteading or,
2: so we lived out in the country, fifteen miles. So I'm used to, to a stop driving sign. everywhere. Fifteen miles a stop sign. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom gardened, but I was a basketball player. So everything I did had to do with basketballs, and I knew I wanted to be an educator. So I was very driven that way. So I learned how to be a hard worker and to be driven, if that makes sense. Yeah,
1: has it been hard? Like, was it difficult taking care of it all, or have you have you kind of got the hang of it now? I suppose. So,
2: last <laughs> summer when it was 114 and I was in charge of the meat chickens and I lost half of our flock, Two-thirds. I was Two-thirds. like, "Why did I decide to do this?"
1: What happened? Just to get overheated.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 She it, she, and she took it very personally, right? It's one of those things where it was it. I ordered them the wrong time of year because we, we were still in that panic last year. And I, I took them when I could take them. And we had a couple of things that went wrong and who's checking six times a day going out in the heat. when a hundred and it was a legitimate 114 degrees mm-hmm. outside. So who's going out six times a day to check on them. And it's, she cried a lot <laughs> about it. Um, but it's it's one of those things that i mean we lost two hogs Mm -hmm. i cried about the pigs um oh oh, man yeah because you just feel awful when you because our our goal is to have one bad day on the on the farm right Mm -hmm. so when they anything that goes wrong outside of of harvest day man and on a small operation that's a really really big deal for us because i had both those pigs sold So, so what happened um so Redundancy is job one on the farm. <laughs> yeah. so you want to you want to automate everything, but you want to have two of everything. And what we didn't have is I had one water nipple into the pigs, okay. and it failed. They didn't have a second one, and we didn't notice it, and they were dead. Oh, so, how yeah, old were they? Uh, they were market. They were about forty pounds, fifty pounds for market mm-hmm. size. So they were oh. they were well over two hundred pounds.
1: But you learn from it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> what do you do different next time?
0: Uh, not have huge conventional pigs during the summertime in the South. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so we've gone to the Cooney Coonies, mm-hmm. which are just way easier, more resilient. Um, and, and we had a, we did an entire podcast in this, but in the South, either for a homestead, especially if you're small, either Cooney Coonies or American Guinea hogs just make a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got a bunch of buddies or you've got some teenage boys, the the hardest thing for us about conventional pigs is just getting on the trailer to go to the butcher. That's Mm -hmm. the single hardest thing because, um, if they don't want to go,
2: they're not going. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I, I keep telling Andrew every time we load livestock, (laughs) we need to put a camera up. We would make a fortune (laughs) just with people laughing, telling us what to do. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and, and that there's, there's two great books, uh, Temple Grandin who is a autistic lady out of, uh, I
2: don't
0: college know. station, Texas, temple, mm-hmm. Texas somewhere. And then, uh, moving them. I think it's by Bert Smith. Those two books about handling cattle. It's just priceless. The amount of knowledge and wisdom in those two things. And, and Temple's got yep. a great YouTube library as well, but, uh, just learning how to, to move cattle, Get them into the trailer to get them to the market. That used, that was one of the few areas that we'd ever had words in our marriage, and <laughs> yeah. there was all kinds of profanity, crying. She threw a bucket at me once. It's, it was really scary,
1: Tim. Very scary. It's kind of like back in a uh, camper into a, a campsite.
0: There's oh yeah.
1: Certain things that'll test a marriage, and that, that's.
0: <laughs> And whatever you do, never say. Have you never moved livestock before? It's no, not, Ross,
1: no, I haven't. It's <laughs> not
0: what you should uh, say your beautiful Things bro. like, what's
1: wrong with you? Yeah, no, that's just yeah. not a, you know. Yeah, That yeah. kind of shit doesn't fly, trust me. Well, I tried it. Yeah. I don't know, somebody <laughs> recommended it one time and when the slowing went down, I saw what I did wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to just share this. This was pretty funny earlier here. I missed it. Uh, we're talking about pilots and Hi- Hippocrates uh garden said, uh, how do you find (laughs) out a pilot in the room? Don't worry. They'll tell you. Yeah,
0: it's I'll tell you what. So when I started there, the industry, the airlines really weren't hiring. And about 20, the end of 2015, they really started hiring. And outside of the pandemic, they haven't stopped. So and it used to be your first four or five years, you starved even going to, you know, a major carrier. And now good gravy. I made huge mistakes in life. And that was one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is. It is they're doing really well that's you know power of a good union there too
1: so how did you so if it russ if it was your idea to start homesteading how did you warm andrea up to the idea hey let me have goats <laughs> oh that's what becky and i do too yeah, yeah okay fair enough all right yeah anyway yeah
0: and that that really was so i mean i had uh hogs that i I think I did hogs for five years out of the six years in Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, I had cattle as soon as I started there because I grew up with cows and then chickens, because if you kill a chicken, who cares, right? If Mm -hmm. if one dies, they're super easy to replace. There's not a ton in there and uh, we incubate our own eggs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's super easy, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, it was the goats that really got her into it. And then we've got a uh, 60 foot by 26 foot greenhouse that we're figuring out here. And what else do we have? Rabbits, ducks, scabby ducks, geese. So it's you it's a fun. Do
1: you, you mind rabbits at all, uh, Andrea, or not? Because Becky, that was one thing she would never let me do when we used to homestead. So
2: I have four does right now and two bucks. The one buck, Magic Mike. I thought he would be magical, but he's not. <laughs> we're, we're pretty
0: sure he's better for the home team. <laughs> he does not like the ladies a bit.
2: And one of my does. So we have two rabbits that we have to butcher. The rest just have, uh, they just kitted and I can start to rebreed them right now.
1: So you didn't mind it? Because that was the one thing I, yeah. Like Becky, you know, on our honeymoon, she actually tore off her gel nails so that we could pluck chickens, but she would not do rabbits. I don't know. Just, yeah, it's never a thing. So you
0: have to buy your wife, the hopper popper. That is, that's the the
1: thing that. You, yeah, yeah. You,
0: stick it, you stick it and then you just pull the hind legs up it yep. is quick instant mm-hmm. yeah huh. that's not
1: bad Yeah, that, that we always did the chickens with a chunk of wood couple of nails and a uh you know you just put them down through you don't put yeah. the nail through them you know yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
0: we we use for the for the chickens we butcher we do just kill cones and just yep. clean them out. and we've got a, the plucker is worth all the money to have a yep. plucker and then uh we didn't have a scalder until this year, and we started using a turkey uh,
1: fryer. A
0: turkey fryer,
1: really? How'd that yeah. work?
0: Great! <laughs> it's perfect. It's got a thermostat. So in the past, oh, we, wow. we've done it over an open flame, and it's so hard to keep it the right temperature. I think it's 148. It's mm-hmm. the right temperature. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah. with, with the turkey cooker, it's got an electronic thermostat, and it's it's a much smaller surface area of the water, so it's super easy to keep it right on temp. Mm-hmm. it changed it changed everything for us on that side about butchering chickens instead buying cuz the the professional scalders are 500 bucks right and you know the turkey fryer is $99 <laughs> so and you can cook your turkeys in it at at christmas or thanksgiving so it, there's no downside to it at all
1: and that's just one of the little propane ones or is it an electric
0: no it's electric wow yeah right. yeah. Yeah. yeah so i mean there's there's absolutely as far as a shortcut for chicken processing, for something that's cheap to get you into it, that really did change everything for us about making it easier. Mm-hmm.
1: So how hard was it? So how long has it been, Andrea, since you um, quit working for the man and started working for yourself? It's been
2: this school year. So okay. last May was when I turned in my teaching keys. <laughs> how uh, How's it going? <clears throat> it has gone really good. I it was kind of an adjustment. So I had like the summer and one way that I supplement my income is I clean houses for an Airbnb. Nice. And so in the summer I was really busy with that and then because Oklahoma I guess we were I was busy until maybe August or September. Mm-hmm. But then I started teaching online school, which has its pros and cons. But it's been something that I can do any, like, I can schedule any time that works for me to have classes. And that's usually when Sam, our youngest, is napping. <laughs> yep. So what don't you like about that? Because I've heard <clears throat> lots of positives about it. But what are the the downsides so people know well, The kids, the older kids, it's usually not the younger kids. The older kids don't like to turn their cameras on. So it's really hard to try to see if they need help. I can't get any visual clues off of the black screen. Yep. (laughs) I don't even know if they're listening. Or there. (laughs) Yeah. But one kid uh, finally, we had a really bad uh, storm on Thursday. Okay, and he must live in the same geographic area that I do because it had just started raining at his house, and he told me to be safe. He wanted he wants to be a storm chaser when he grows up, so he was like super excited to hear that I was having a tornado warning. (laughs) But he said be safe, so I was like, yes.
1: (laughs) He cares about you. Yeah. Have you had any uh, twisters come through since
2: you've lived there? No, just warnings, but on Thursday, I've never seen so much hail, Ooh. And, and it was probably the size of a nickel, but we have, uh, my youngest and I were looking outside the window, and the hail came down so hard, the wind was blowing so hard, and the rain was, you couldn't even see across our yard, it was so... <laughs> Surreal. Yeah,
0: it broke one of the skylights in the in the ceiling. Oh my god! Yes, which I've never (laughs) seen happen. So, but uh, yeah, so that's one of the downsides about living here. That's part of it, right? Is Mm -hmm. we are in the center of Tornado Alley, and it's it's one of those things on the preparedness side that uh, we've got a big cellar. So our food storage is down there. We've got it. We've got a kit, and I've got the radio for when I'm not here that sets off the alarm that will wake even the the world's deepest sleeper (laughs) up. And it's just really a simple precaution, right? There's nothing you do about a tornado. It's not like out west where you had forest fires to deal with and you could, you know, try and fight it and save your house and all these Mm -hmm. wild things. You just go to the cellar, hang out until it passes because it's usually pretty quick. 30 minutes is about Mm -hmm. the most time you're ever going to spend down there. It's uh, and it's, it's a big, nice space. We've got, Chairs, we've got you know, sleeping air, air mattresses down there. So everything in the world you need to uh, make it as comfortable as you can for that short period of time. And, and here's one of the other things about homesteading that no one ever talks about is um, your insurance on your place, right? So having somebody that'll insure a farm and then being a little bit overinsured because we've, we've made all these improvements and modifications and things. So I'd much rather spend an extra 500 bucks a year to be overinsured than to hope that we're going to come out of something okay if something bad does happen so for peace of mind that's just one of those things there was it hard to
1: find good insurance or was no it
0: no because we, we live in a rural area so all the we're in a oh, was there's 10 people in our county mm-hmm. okay. so you know it's i think four or five hundred square miles of uh of place that that few people so it's that's i was and we have agents that we can talk to. That's another nice thing about small oh, yeah. town. You walk in, they know who you are. So that part's really nice. Even after we've just been here for two years. Mm-hmm. So that part's really nice.
1: That's what we have. I have a guy that I have his cell phone. I can text him at six o'clock on a Sunday afternoon yeah. or evening yeah. and he can help me. You know, he's, he's been on the golf course and sent me insurance cards before. So it, yeah, yeah that's cool. It that That's worth a lot, isn't it? It, it really is.
0: And that's, you know, part of the reason we left where we were at before is we we were in a place where it was we didn't have a bunch of folks who shared values right mm-hmm. and it wasn't that there were monsters living around us or anything it just wasn't a homesteading or a farming community it was rural mm-hmm. but it wasn't a cohesive community it was a bunch okay. of folks that commuted to town so i had a buddy uh who is a pilot that i, I love hopefully we will get to see this tonight <laughs> Uh, after all my trash talking about pilots, but uh, he had bought a place up here, previous, okay. And I, we came. I came up to visit quite a bit because he had. He's got seven ponds in this place. And I enjoy fishing, so we we did that and got to know a bunch of the neighbors. And I talked to Andrew. She came up here, and all the all these wild things had to happen, right? This place came up for sale. It's four tenths of a mile from his house to ours. Um, we were able to sell our place mm-hmm. in a week yeah because this came open we had to sell our place um and then we had to find another place to live because i completely remodeled this place from floor to ceiling exterior everything Uh, i've gone through the house and done all that in my spare time but uh it's it was such a again um whether it was a blessing or whether it was just meant to be it, it everything worked out and but the community and i'm in the volunteer fire department here All those things about um, being part of the community and earning your bones in the community, right? Showing up when people are sick, their house is on fire. That's that's a big way to get to know your neighbors and and earn a bunch of goodwill.
1: That's a good one. I'd like to know. Yeah, because that's been – we've struggled with that for a few years, but we've become part of the community now. But Mm -hmm. how important – because that's something we don't maybe always talk about on homesteading and prep. I mean, we talk about community, but – we don't necessarily talk about, hey, I've moved to a new town or a new community. How do I integrate? Because it can take time. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what do you think? What, so what that think?
2: part, for me, it's hard because I have to be at home a lot. Because I work from home. Sure. I have Sam. So the com- the community that I've made was from the year that I taught at the school. So I'll go to those kids' games. I'll talk to the, my coworkers. Things like that. <clears throat> and then uh, right now we're looking for a church that we can be a part of. And so we've been going every other weekend to a different one. That helps a lot. Yeah,
0: then, so I, I joined the, the American Legion Hall here and I'm I'm before okay. the youngest guy there. So
2: <laughs> Yeah, you,
0: I get it. Yeah, you get plugged in there. Cause listen, Gen X guys, we don't join anything. No, right. No, and the millennials no. are, are even worse. And, and that's the thing about on a, on a side tangent, as my life, wife loves these things for for Gen Xers, if there are all these volunteer organizations that have paid off buildings, you know, they don't have any debt, you don't have to raise a ton of money, they have an endowment already going. If you want to get out and really influence your community, boy between the Kiwanis um, key was it Lions Club here mm-hmm. is big in town. The American Legion is really, really big for for this town they put up flags during you get to meet everybody. Um and then the volunteer fire department is the other one that's if you're in a rural area and they have that there's no training. Don't make no mistake you can just show up and they'll take you. They just need a body. Can you make fog in this mirror was the only thing they, they asked me to prove <laughs> myself. Yeah and there's some there's some cowboy stuff that goes on there. Okay. But uh when you look at responding because it's there's no, in our county, there is no paid fire department anywhere. So they're all volunteer fire departments. They have trainings. They do the best they can. But the bodies are what matters. And, and we have enough prairie land here where if a range fire does break out, it's it's a serious thing. Mm-hmm. So, and then house fires are the same thing. That's somebody's home. That's all they have. And when you go to those fires, it gets, and, and you see how important that stuff is, and they just don't have anything else. Everything you do have becomes, your you're that much more grateful for it that's cool I I like that I know
1: yeah that's some tips I I don't know if I've ever gone there with people before but and
0: before, yeah you get to you know where all the crap bags are so the <laughs> folks that are making hashish in their backyard and yeah, they're yeah. on fire you're going to know where all the dirt bags are that's <laughs> the, the guys that you know have a flop house and they're over <clears throat> ODing. you're yeah. going to get you know those responses as well and then you get, to meet, you get to meet all your local law enforcement folks, too, because mm-hmm. they, they respond because we don't have a coroner in the county. So any anytime someone passes away in our district, we get called. Um, you know, the folks are there. We take the remains to the funeral home director that shows up okay. and law enforcement shows up. So you get to meet, make those connections as well. And that's just, again, that, that stuff matters in a, in a small rural area.
1: That's great. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, it's true. That's neat because yeah. Volunteer firefighter. And like we've got like the, um, not the Elks Lodge. I can't remember what they're called here now, but yeah, there's a few different things and you're right. The, I, I want to join a community group. Like I want to get kicked in the head. You know, I just <laughs> I don't really, it's true. You know, I, my time, ta- That's just what it is. And right, I have, yeah. yeah, but I get it. That's, that's great advice. Even if it's hard to swallow.
0: <laughs> well, and so from the from the prepper side, right? I mean, if you want to go out. That's what we have. <laughs> that? That's my brother in law. He corrected
1: oh. Kinsman, that's what we have here. They're like the Elks Lodge and the, okay. the oh, yeah. Lions Hall and stuff like that.
0: But if you want if you want to direct or have the input on the community around you, those organizations tie you into everybody. Absolutely the folks who are are going to make those decisions and um, what businesses come in? I mean, one of the the, the gross things is we've got marijuana dispensaries six. on every corner. It seems like in our, our little town that's nearest us. And I think that's because, because i would lived out West when Colorado and California both uh, legalized weed. Yeah, and I, I don't think they had any idea what was coming. So they hadn't zoned for anything. They hadn't said, you know, in city limits, we're going to give out one business permit and that's going to be it. Or we're not going to allow any of it in city limits. So now you've got everywhere your kid walks to school. You got twenty-two stoners, you know, eating a bag of chips out in front of the dispensary.
1: Again, <laughs> um, I mean, it's legal here across the country, and <clears> the only <throat> the only thing that's changed is something else the government's lost money on. So, right. it, uh, yeah, 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 that's what's really happened.
0: How do you lose money on weed? It's <laughs> oh, it's, the
1: government can do it. I promise, it's, it's you. amazing. It, yeah, it is, and it's true. Like I'm not just I'm not bullshitting it. Yeah. They have it's yeah they yeah. have not turned a profit yet, and it's done nothing to eliminate the, the, the black and gray market at all. Yeah. Right. So, yeah.
2: Well, and another way that you can uh, build community is have an event at your house. Cause oh, really? in, yeah. In February we had a first aid CPR sort of. Sort of it, it was
0: like a, a low level tactical casualty care uh, okay. course. So I have a buddy at work that uh, is a former 18 Zulu. Um, he was Green Beret retired. Okay. Super good dude, and he came out with another buddy that had been a paramedic mm-hmm. and a uh, a SWAT paramedic in Fort Worth, and they put it on and and we paid for it out mm-hmm. of pocket, and then we invited twelve friends mm-hmm. to that, and it was one of those things where just as half of them were were neighbors here mm-hmm. and the other half were friends from work, but uh, just in building goodwill and getting folks together, and it was well worth the money. Mm-hmm just for that matter to a lot of folks and and we had them do some stuff on farm injuries, you know, PTOs, you know, uh Because
2: two of the we have two neighbors that are right close on either side and they're young kids, 16 and 14, and their uncle who we're really good friends with, he's like, I drug them here because they are always on their own. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And he, he didn't want, he doesn't want them to get hurt and not know what to do. Right.
0: And then the other, we did another, oh, probably 30 minutes on child and infant, injuries, CPR, poison, you know, just everything that way for babies and children, things you might see for, we had what, three moms, mm-hmm. four moms, four moms in it. Yeah. So it's just things you might see, what to do, choking. So it's just all those things that, um and, and for community building, it was, it was fantastic so because andrew was thinking about going and taking a class and i'm like i have this buddy talk to him um and we paid what she would have paid to go to a workshop for just herself and we get 12 people through a, a really good class nice
1: and so you didn't have any problem with people showing up no
0: no no because no. i've heard that sometimes yeah. when
1: you offer something for free right mm-hmm. yeah
0: well but these were all close friends too so these are folks that we've Either at work or things, so it wasn't just putting it out on the internet and folks saying they were going to come and then not coming. So they, you know, if folks had a little bit of skin in the game. It would have been socially shameful for them not to show up if they told us they were coming. Mm-hmm. But we provided food. Um, what we had, one of my other buddies that brought his wife and daughter and, and uh, young Grand son. Kids. Yeah, he he did he smoked a brisket for us. So oh. it, it was awesome. Yeah.
1: So we fed him. Um, I know you talked about the, uh, and I, you guys never give me this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because I always like to hear, but what was what has been the absolute worst day in homesteading you've had so far? Killing the 40 chickens. <laughs> How come? That was a quick answer. So obviously <clears throat> there's something that mentally scared you. So, what well, was it?
2: <clears throat> so you just go out every single day and when they are chicks, you have to go out more often just to check on them, and they're meat birds. Uh, we had the Cornish cross, so it was just—they're awkward. They're—they grow so fast, and they were because they're just not chickens. Yep. But they—he um, told me to put them in the shade, so I thought that I had put them in the shade, and I like I. I take my job on the farm very seriously. Well, and, and it was one of those things she hadn't thought about. <clears throat> the sun setting and it's still a hundred degrees. Yeah.
0: So from about 3 p.m. until almost 8, <clears throat> they were just sitting in the sun.
2: And I would take, I knew that they needed water to okay. live. <laughs> so sure. I would take them water like two or three times a day. <laughs> and, because i knew that we were going to use that to butcher and put in our freezers and then i did the ultimate and killed half of them was that the first time you'd
1: ever dispatched an animal before
2: well no they died, they died. She, she
0: didn't have to kill she didn't have to do oh, anything they just, i'm sorry oh, no. yeah, roast, <laughs> they, they were self-roasted chickens
2: yeah. oh i thought you meant after. yeah okay no oh, no, no. They, they
0: died due to exposure because oh, you,
2: you on, yeah. I picked them up, and I was just sobbing because they were. You could feel how hot they were. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they have a hell of a. T- yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah, we <clears throat> we had babies years ago that showed up on a really hot day, and they weren't ventilated properly, and we lost about three quarters of them before mm-hmm. they. Yeah. So, how about you, Russ? What was your worst day? Was it the pigs, or was there anything else? <sighs>
0: I think part of homesteading is problem solving, right? So you're going to have stuff all the time that that goes wrong because every problem that you're going to have is unique because you've learned from other problems. So the next problem is going to be something you hadn't encountered before. So I, I think I, I try like that, that day was really hard. We've had a couple others, but I think the biggest thing about getting into this is just understanding you're going to have things go wrong and it's, it's, it's just like anything else, right? How you respond to it, um, and and being small enough in what your losses can be. That's one of the reasons we have smaller cattle versus having all big full-size cows is if we lose a, um, if we run two cows in the same place we'd run one large cow and we lose one of those two cows, we're still, we still have a, a viable cow. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have just the big Angus and Herefords and you lose one of those, man, it's it's so much greater of a loss. So I think We've, we've had some rough days, but it's just having that mindset of how do I solve this problem and move on to the next thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you mentioned
1: selling meat. How have you, what have you guys do, done so far to kind of make some income from homesteading and farming? Cause that can be tough. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I, I work with a bunch of rich guys. So, they yeah. all shop at, at Whole Foods and Sprouts. So, my entire business model is them paying the same for uh, our beef as they pay for. Ground beef at, at Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things for small operators, right? If you're just getting into the beef side, is don't do the hanging weight because people aren't dumb, right? And you say the hanging weight was, you know, 800 pounds and they get yeah. two coolers of meat. Yes. And, they have you care of it and you get a bunch of hard feelings, right? So, I just say retail weight. So, I weigh it in front of them. Whatever that is, that's what you're paying is eight bucks a pound. So, that includes steaks, roasts, however you want to cut. I go through the cut sheet with them, make sure they understand. And just because there's a cut on there, doesn't mean you have to have that. So if you don't know how to cook a tri tip steak, or you don't know how to cook a uh, Pikes Peak roast, let's make it hamburger because you have kids yes. and they're going to eat the hamburger mm-hmm. instead of trying to figure out how to cook oxtail. <coughs> just have more hamburger. Right. But being able to tell them that um, having recipes, you'd be amazed how many people don't know how to cook a roast.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, having a way to cook all these things and then, Hey Russ, the steak you you sold me is real tough. You have a sous vide. Yeah. Okay. Let me solve that problem for you. You know, (laughs) it's, it's going to be two, three hours in the sous vide on low, the longer, the better, the more tender the steak's going to be pan sear it. It was the best steak I've ever had. Right. They forget that first steak was tough because now they're cooking in a different way. It's better for their family. They can put it in it whenever, that steak comes out super tender more flavor all those things so it's about everything's just problem solving and in, in on that side mm-hmm. um pork we've struggled to make money on i think long term the only thing for a small operation it, it's a miracle of big ag right they do some great oh, yeah. things. when you get 99 cent pork pork chops that's it's just wild right because we're at about four bucks a pound just for our production costs and that's not figuring it in time but for us, the aftermarket pork, I'm sorry, the sausage, is where yeah. we can make money. Mm-hmm. So the smoked sausage, even when I have it processed, I still make a, a profit on jalapeno cheddar, chorizo, and dewey. there's some things that are, that are big down here regionally that I can sell, make sense, and pay for everything for us. So the pork, we're just trying to break even, where we get a free pig in our freezer, and I, everything I sell just gets to that $0 mark, is what my goal is, with 200 pounds of pork in our freezer
1: that's not bad. And that's great about, um, I, I wouldn't call it upselling, I just, but tra- transforming the product into something you can make money on.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's
0: definitely that value add is, is yeah. what I look at there. So I'm turning pork that's, you know, realistically three, four bucks a pound, right. On average for ground pork, but with some smoking and some flavoring from a, a good butcher now, all of a sudden it's $8 a, a, a pound and no one blinks at that price. Yeah. Um, isn't that awesome? the chickens uh we're done with cornish cross we bought some Bressy. uh we'll be butchering in may our first round of breasty chickens we'll see we'll, so i don't know what to tell you on that side the cornish cross nobody blinked at 15 dollars a bird but the last mm-hmm. time we sold was what three years ago yeah so i think probably now you have to be at 20 dollars a bird to to be profitable and we had a chicken processor usa chicken processor that charged us $3.50 bird to do everything for us. So that's the reason we're going smaller and not selling now mm-hmm. because we have to do all the work. Right, I'm not trying to do 200 birds. Um, the thing that we've been most profitable were the turkeys. So I did free range, organic. I, I couldn't call them organic, right? Free range, um, yeah. beyond organic turkeys. And I was getting $75 a bird and no one blinked. Wow yeah so that's the thing that i will probably do that again next year but that was one of those there's not a ton of folks doing that down here and and dallas does not have Mm -hmm. dfw is where i work right i work in the fort worth side but dfw the metroplex does not have a slow food movement like we did out west okay so there's i'm not competing with anybody it's it really is on that side wild how few folks are competing and then on the eggs i saw those at work and I go, whatever they're selling for at uh, the commissary on base is what I charge. Okay. So I'm at $5 a dozen right now. No one blinks at that. And they're way better than anything you you're going to get.
2: And sometimes you get a duck egg. <laughs> yeah. Real? Oh, re- you just mix them yeah. in or whatever? Yeah. yeah I,
0: yeah, I really like duck out. eggs. No, no one's caught on yet. Because <laughs> the muscovy eggs are not that much bigger than a normal a big chicken egg. So, <laughs> but yeah, so that's on that side. And then the greenhouse. I don't think we've made any money on the greenhouse mm-hmm. we just it's all food for us and then
2: um well and we went to a cooney cooney pig so that if and when we do need to process our own pig we can do it on the farm oh yeah that's great because that is i had to hire a guy
1: with a, a tractor when we butchered our pigs to you know haul them out of the pen and
0: lift them mm-hmm. up And yeah, oh yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah that's that's something what were your input costs for the turkeys? You said they're free range. Did you have much? Yeah, aim? no,
0: there's almost no input costs in the turkeys. So if you can keep them alive for the first two months, mm-hmm. yep. they're pretty much bulletproof. Um, they, they come in with the the chickens at night. Um, I I bet. So it was $13 for processing. That's what they were charging me. At, uh, it used to be called cop Creek down in Bynum, Texas. But, and then I think they were $8 for poult. And then I might've had another, dollars and feed each in them so it, about 20 bucks yeah a, a pound net profit yeah
1: wow so yeah, it was um, wh- what were the what were the size of them uh dressed like roughly uh, they were
0: anywhere i think the smallest is 23 and the largest was 30
1: holy cow yeah so that's really i don't know i i mean sometimes they come on sale but you got you know if you want to buy the cheapest cheapest walmart
0: turkey under a pound yeah yeah all day wow,
1: that's Incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah, but that here's the other thing. So it's just like beef, right? So you get a much more intense uh, turkey flavor on the free ranch turkey. They're just a now there's a lot more dark meat. So I made sure everyone knew that before they they bought them. Is the breast is going to be a little bit smaller? There's going to be a lot more dark meat, but everyone raved about the flavor. Mm-hmm. So super flavorful birds. Like I said, if, if there's anything I would be doing as a boutique item on my farm, that would be one of the things I would, I would do is a, uh, for everyone that's buying a a pig or a half a beef from you a year, if they can afford a, you know, $8 a pound for beef, they can afford a $75 turkey. Sure. And the other thing is when you have affluent clients, Right. The Bragging part of it, I bought this from my farmer. <laughs> yes. it's a oh, yeah, turkey, <laughs> and, you know, where for us, we're like, Yeah, they're running around the yard trying to kill themselves <laughs> yeah. in various, you know, unique ways, right? But uh, we had one run right in front of a semi, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> the semi was going 70. There's there's not left, right? really. There were feathers for a quarter mile, it was, <laughs> oh. it, it was a it was a horror movie scene.
1: <laughs> Reminded me. of, you remember the movie Pet Cemetery? I don't know if you yeah. guys have ever seen that. Okay. Anyway, don't worry about <laughs> it. But yeah, there's a are in it like that. So, oh my god. So, how is it? I'm um, like you said. You guys uh, trying to load livestock was uh, the biggest threat to your marriage since you've been married. But has it helped or hurt the? I'm, you know, I'm kind of being facetious. I'm sure it's helped. But how has it kind of changed your relationship? As you've so, kind of started-
2: I have had to go from you know, helping him when he needed help to me taking over pretty much everything. So I get up and I'm also doing a 75 hard. Do You know what that is? I
1: I seen that on your Instagram. I did, not but I Googled it. So now I kind of know.
2: I put put on my rucksack with 20 (laughs) pounds in it. And so when I go feed in the morning and water the animals and move the goats and the cows and try to get some in the stanchion, uh, That's my morning workout. So it's like John Willis says, do stuff uh, farm fit, is what he always says. So I'm doing farm fit, hard 75 in the morning. (laughs) And then when he comes home, and so that's me washing the eggs, collecting the eggs, making sure that I have the right size eggs. In the egg cartons, marking the eggs, <laughs> she, was, she was trying to seek
0: some small eggs in there, and okay. my clientele wasn't having the small eggs.
2: <laughs> and then I do my take care of Sam, do the teaching uh, run. I was having to run the kids, uh, the older kids here and there, but thankfully, they have their driver's license, so it only
1: took seven to <laughs> for the
2: driver's license
1: yeah (laughs) it's okay i'm here the 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 driver's test is fairly easy but the written
0: test is miserable no they passed the written test on the first attempt for both of them they failed the -the over-the-road driving test five times a year together and then on their sixth and seventh attempts combined they finally passed
1: good for them
2: yes
0: yeah so that was that was really hard you know driving getting up at midnight to go get the girls and then uh trying to get the baby back down. That was, Mm -hmm. that was tough. Now that that's over.
2: And it is weird because uh, like he said earlier, um, when I don't even remember what we were talking about one time, but I was like, no, I don't really think that's a good idea. They don't even go, they don't like that part of the farmer. And he, he, he had to admit, he's like, oh, I guess I never thought about that because I don't know the animals anymore. Yeah.
0: And and that's one of the things about if you're going to go down this road together, there has to be give, give and take. And the the easiest thing for me to say is I was wrong, right? Andrea, it's super hard.
2: No, Golly, I have to
0: get pliers out and yank on a tooth. So I'm going to take it if you don't say it, but just being able to say, Hey, I was wrong and working your relationship. Cause that it's, it's going to go one of two ways guys, either you're going to get divorced or you're going to have the best marriage. I have a better marriage than any of my buddies. Yep, And I, I don't say that lightly. It has made our relationship so much more fun. We're on the same page and we're moving the same direction. I I have the happiest life that I could ever imagine. So on that side, if you work on it, things can be really, really great.
2: You mentioned the kids a little bit. How, How have they kind of taken to this? So I think they like that I'm home more and I'm not stressed out, but the older two don't really like the farm. Mm-hmm. But Sam is in it to win it. Yeah. <laughs> he loves to be outside. He loves the animals. He likes to go catch chicks and he likes to try to hold the bunnies and he likes to help, even if that means he just dumps out the water that I just filled up. Oh,
0: yeah. He <laughs> saw her dump it out when it was, you know, all <laughs> mucked up. So he's still helping. But I, I think the lessons that the kids have taken. From the farm because i don't know if the girls are ever homestead or not but mm-hmm. i know as far as their expectations for marriage and for what they're going to expect from their family and their husband mm-hmm. because the god we live in the best time of the world right if if you have a problem and you don't know how to fix it you've got youtube you've got rumble you've got all these different things that you can go to search engines chat gpt oh i was, I was it tonight I was doing our taxes the other day and I'm like, how do I write off our barn? (laughs) And I went in there and it gave me a page and a half of detailed instructions and sure as shit went through and started looking at everything. It was it It, was a huge it's a freaking
1: game changer. It really
0: is. I like
1: I just typed in, I was doing research for a show tonight, and it probably saved me six hours of digging. Yeah, and it can find stuff. I don't know. Eventually, I'm sure we're going to call them they or he or she, right. whatever. But
0: Caesar right. <laughs> I like
1: Zizer. That works. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's, it, yeah. I, I'm sure it has, I'm, anyway, everything has a good yeah. and a bad side. Yeah. It. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to use the hell out of it. I love right. it.
0: Oh, right. yeah. But I, I think on the homesteading side, when you're a couple and you're both doing it, you're either working on that relationship and you have to have shared goals. We know like retirement, what we want to do the next. We've got probably the next 10 years easily Mm -hmm. mapped out about projects, what we want to do, where we're going to go. Uh, Orchards, planting trees. um,
2: Conferences to go to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So because the the conference uh, at Willis's place last year, you know, that it's kind of, I'm like, "Ah, I don't know how this is going to be because I hate people.
1: Yeah, Um, It's not bad.
0: No, it was awesome. (laughs) It was awesome. Yeah. I had a a great time. I mean, and that's the thing you worry with is, is it going to be worth my time? Right. Yeah. Because there are a lot of speakers that I've, I've seen um, cause I used to go to coaching clinics all the time and you'd have one great speaker and the rest, you just wanted to, you know, shove toothpicks. I oh. mean fingernails. Mm-hmm. But I well, think and
2: John, he, he said cause I usually listen to his nightly uh, meeting that he has or talk yeah. whatever. And he said, if you go to SRF, then you need to make sure that you come up so I know who you are. And (laughs) so I did. And I said, listen, I'm Andrea. I come to your nightly. I'm the one that asks you all those weird questions about rabbits. (laughs) And so then he gave me the tour of his little place and it was totally awesome. And then I got to meet Nicole. And then I got to ask you the question about fountain. <laughs> it's
1: oh, I don't know. Yeah. So was that your guys's first kind of prepping homesteading kind of event you ever went to?
0: I went to a um, the, the owner of Cobb Creek was a uh, hedge fund guy. The, the the folks that process their chickens, he bought it as an investment and made a ton of money when he sold out. But Joel South he brought Joel up for a, three-day conference so mm-hmm. i'd been to that okay and the thing and joel's a great guy but if you've seen if you've read joel's books or you've seen his youtube channel sure. there was nothing new at that and you know it wasn't like it was a waste of money because i got to meet you know uh, somebody that's in the space that's done a lot mm-hmm. for the space has been there you know pretty much first on the on the making money as a homesteader side but yeah i think the plan moving forward is to use that as vacation time and write it off as a business expense you know go go do some things there but uh yeah it was the srf was really really worth my time i had Mm -hmm. i'm looking forward to the next one and i think we're going to nicole's thing right
1: are you you guys going to lftn or yeah and oh, i'm gonna be there yeah that's awesome yeah yeah (laughs) and it's funny because you know, coming as a speaker, I rarely listen to other speakers. I, I spend 95% of my time walking and talking and I love it. Like the, the, the networking that you make, did you, yeah. I, I assume you guys did a little networking while you were there. So I, (laughs) we
0: brought, we brought Samuel. Yeah. We had a two-year-old with us at the time.
2: And I pretty much spent the time fangirling. (laughs) The first one, I get yeah. it. Yeah, because I was like, "Oh, there's Jack Spierko. Oh, there's Nicole. Oh, there's Mama Sauce. Oh, there's Tim."
1: <laughs> it was my first time meeting Jack as well, so yeah, it is. It, yeah, it's just funny how that is, but yeah, but it's, you know, that's the event that I never ever mind promoting because, and I only I've only been to one SRF, and it's like, it's just something special. It's quick. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't even know before I went, I was like, okay, well, it's at John's and I love John, I think the world of him, but I, I didn't know what the event would be like. And it's unreal how, yeah, yeah they pack a lot into those two days. Yeah, it,
0: it really was a great use of time and just the the practicality of everything. And it had a, a, a wide range head, you know, guy there, you know, talking about tax stuff on the farm. Um, you know, and that's, that's one of the things too, if you're homesteading right now, I, I honestly believe I could stop working and just be a handyman locally and make more oh, money yeah. of making before. Just because I'll show up, I don't use drugs. And <laughs> if I if I don't know what your problem is, I can figure it out. And it, golly, there's just, in this area, folks just won't even show up. It's wild how- It's that
1: way everywhere. Absolutely everywhere.
0: Open, open the handyman fixing, siding, just really uh, texturing. I got ghosted by a contractor that had done my buddy's house that I had great conversations with,
1: yeah. You know, I, I don't saving,
0: understand it. Well, I ended up saving twenty five grand because I did it myself. So that that it's part, real. What's that? It's unreal. I don't know why mm-hmm. they don't. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. So, and,
2: <sighs> well, and then just meeting everybody at SRF, and then knowing that I could do the same things that y'all do, mm-hmm. it just gave me. More confidence, which is very weird for a forty-six-year-old. <laughs> but like on on uh, Tuesday, I'm going to the community college to take a welding class for four nights, <laughs> so I can work. Then it's another skill that I can use right. for a service, welding our fences around here, or maybe there's a farmer down the road who could yeah. use me to weld. Yeah, because her dad's
0: a machinist. So okay. for our wedding gift, he gave me this sweet little, it's a Tweco MIG TIG stick uh, welder, it's a beautiful little machine. Uh, I'd had it for nine years before I learned how to use it. So I could, <laughs> stick, I could stick well, cause I did in high school, right. And in, in ag class, but, um, the the MIG welding is a revelation about how much easier that is than stick welding. So she's going to go, and I'm sure she'll, cause you know how it is with women, same with shooting. Women take construction oh, yeah. better. She will be Wait. a better roller than me in a week, and it hurts my pride. But I know, it's, <laughs> I know it's coming, so I'm ready for it.
1: Becky's the same way. She can shoot. She doesn't have to try, and she can shoot a lot better than I can. So, yeah, I get it. It, But that's cool. I love that. I, I would like – make sure you send me an email or a message on social. I want to hear how your welding class went. I because will.
2: And then in April, I'm going back down to Texas to take a refuge – Medical, oh, rescue. oh yeah, wow. first responder. I'm so pumped. <laughs> Is that something you would have done a few years ago? No,
1: no. <laughs> and so uh, how did you? Where the, does that come
0: from? The pandemic.
1: Yeah. yeah, because I'm gonna guess the night before you go to
2: those events, you're are you still a little nervous? Oh yeah, yeah. that's how, that's how I am by nature, though, because even I was a teacher for 23 years and. The, before the first day of school, I was so nervous. <laughs> Every year.
0: Every year.
1: Don't feel – yeah, but you know what? Listen, Becky always knows whenever the day, two days before the first big snowstorm of the year, I'm a bundle of nerves. So it it's normal, you know, but mm-hmm. the difference is you're
2: going and doing it. Mm-hmm.
1: So even though you still get nervous and you still do it, that's – I love – that's awesome.
2: Yeah. Well, and that, with the first aid class that we had at our – house it was really it was a good refresher for me because the last time I had taken a first aid class was in college. Oh and yeah. so it was just good but I knew that I wanted more so I was like well that was really great honey but I'm still gonna sign up for <laughs> Bears class.
1: <laughs> how, how long is Bear's class?
2: I think it's three hours because I'm just doing the first responder. Okay
1: hunter wanted to know i said bear question mark bears teaching in texas where where is that and when it's is it
2: that's in waco, waco. Yeah. Wait, and, okay. uh, central texas our our good friend that lives in the next town over he's on he knows bear really well and he's like listen if you can't get in i'll go in and the one in waco is the best one to go to anyways and i don't know if bears gonna actually be there or not but sure. i know his people will be and Our friend Kyle, he's like, it's gonna change your life. That's awesome. And so then maybe that will make me also want to be part of the volunteer fire department as well, since we're here. I just, I just want to do things.
1: (laughs) That is cool. I don't know what, yeah. Anyway, that (laughs) is awesome. Good. Proud of you. Yeah. That is, that's a big step. Any of that's a big step, you know? Mm -hmm. I wanted to share this here. Um, Said, I fly paramotors and I'm scared of heights. It's what firefighting taught me. Afraid is fine, but do it anyway. Practice overcoming fear so you can when needed. Oh, yeah. Is that what you do? Or at least try to?
2: Yep. (laughs) Well, because, uh, I mean, uh, even though I killed half that flock of chickens, (laughs) we we still had half left. And... They We had them so long that they ended up turning into semi-normal chickens. <laughs> yes, they did. Because the one lone rooster that we had left, he would he, he was like a hop stepper. <laughs> I
0: don't know. They looked like people of Walmart as chickens.
2: Oh, fair enough. Yeah, They
0: were just super obese. Uh, Papa Chicken had lost some toes from the diabetes so
2: <laughs> but yeah. they would scratch and uh, look for food yeah. which they none of our other cornish crops i mean we yeah. didn't have them that long because we just butchered them but we just didn't have time this winter and he finally <laughs> he finally got taken out i'm pretty sure by a neighbor dog even though when i put it on my facebook page they were like i'm pretty sure a hawk and i'm like no there's no way a was, hawk could drag He was 20 he was pounds. 20 pounds. Yeah. Oh
0: man. Yeah. <laughs> it's the biggest chicken I've ever seen in my life. Just dense. But yeah, yeah, yeah. so on, on that side, um, on the homesteading side, on the first date, I I don't think you're going to be, you're going to have any regrets about going and getting a higher level of training, especially the more rural you are. Mm-hmm. So for us here, best response is 20 minutes. That's, that's if everything goes right. And there's actually a train, in between us and where the ambulance is in this county mm-hmm. so if that train is stopped in the tracks which happens frequently it can be 35 40 minutes to get to wow. you so um it is it's a real thing right and i went in as a medic into the air force that was my first afsc and then um i've had a bunch of training in the interim and i've tried to stay up as much as i can on that and being the fire department helps. But again, it, it's it's problem solving, right? There's only so many things. It's bleeding or it's airway or you're choking, right? So there are only so many things that can be the problem. And how do you solve a bleeding problem? How do you solve airway problems, right? But uh, I- until you practice with somebody yelling at you or it actually matters,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know? And the other part, I think for folks going down that road is to remember, like CPR works 10 to 15% of the time, best case. Yeah. Best case. So you're going to work with that person. That's always the hardest thing when you go in and the person's, you know, they're gone, right? And, and you know, after a couple of times and the family, it's always the same thing. Do something, right? It's always do something. So we'll work on a body that we know is dead until the paramedics get there. And, you know, they're because we can't call it. It has to be the paramedics that call it. Sure. So we'll work. We'll work. But that's just one of those things, right, is in this life that we're, we're living, death's part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And having your will and all there are all these tertiary things connected to that about you know taking having the understanding if I'm not going to live forever, what is the plan? You know, a living trust for the, for the farm so it, you know, we don't have the tax implications for Samuel or the girls and all those things. It's all part of it. That's as much part of it as it is picking out where we're going to order seeds from this year.
1: I like that. I it, it is. It's one of the I had Letty Lou on the show. Almost two years ago now, I think, and I had her come on and talk about death because the, I don't know if there's any subject in homesteading and prepping we talk about the least.
0: Yeah, because yeah. you know, in
1: prepping, at least death death is failure, right? So, right. you know, but you have to, you know, none of us get out alive, right? Mm-mm.
0: Yeah, and and it's the so I, I spent uh, a year and a half as a veteran county service officer, and the big thing there was it was right at the tail end. I was just burying World War II vets and Korean vets every week. I went to the funeral and there were only two kinds of widows that came to my office, right? There was a widow that had all of her paperwork in order. Right. And there was the widow that came in, had no idea, didn't know where anything was. And, and seeing those two extremes between the man who'd taken an extra, you know, a couple of hours to do right. something. And the guy who'd never done anything, my goodness, men do not do that to your woman. Don't do that to your wife. Don't do it to your kids. Handle your business tomorrow. Put it on your list. If you don't have a will, go get it. If you don't have, if you have land, go get a living trust or talk to somebody. It's five hundred bucks to go talk to a good lawyer for two hours, versus how much you want to pay the tax man to decide what you know, happens to your stuff. So those are the options, right? Um, where do you want to be buried? That, hmm. That's that's every bit as important as where you're going to plant a tree. And we're all going to die so anyways
1: that's okay no thank you i didn't know we were going there that's great yes. <laughs> I, want to, I want to share this am i having a brain fart is it hippocrates or hip hip do you i don't know hippocrates. Anyway, hip, hippocrates. hippocrates garden yeah yeah and he said uh there's a really really good video from dr peter saul of australia on death and dying i've recommended it so many times family always says we thought there would be time and they're mm-hmm. 93
2: yeah yeah oh yeah
0: yeah so and, and out here too because rural areas in the states are so much older than the, the cities right yeah so it's it's wild to me folks have no plan don't know where anything is and in you know, Code, that was one of his things that he used to talk about all the time is having that binder with all your credit cards in there and yeah all your passwords and everything where are you going to be buried you know how do you want your do you want to be buried do you want to be cremated you know, do you want your ashes in an urn on the fireplace so you can watch, you know, spin her <laughs> sweetest sues that she's going to marry afterwards, where so I can haunt his ass, or, or do you want to, uh, you know, have those spread someplace? Whatever it is, write that stuff down tonight, and and be done with it, and and go get, you know, whatever your state locality needs you to do to to make it official, notarize whatever. Go get that handled.
1: I got. uh, I think I saved about five questions from the community. You guys got a few minutes to answer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the highlight of the day. So, uh, Ha says, um, "Do you guys have any hydroponics permaculture
2: on the farm?" Okay, so I have three ICB totes that are just waiting for me to turn it into hydroponics. Yeah, I've got.
0: uh, I've got fourteen Dutch buckets that I grew last year. Saw those on Instagram. Yeah, so I was really, really blown away, and. We should probably have we got down to 27 last night so that's why we haven't started yet but it's probably going to be hopefully tomorrow or next weekend get those started again because that's the thing about <laughs> when you start your own seeds who cares you know you've got a penny in that seat that start so throw them out there if it makes it great if it doesn't throw another one in the next week right but the dutch buckets super easy way easier growing in the ground is that I, I like still,
1: crack cracky are they water it, or are they
0: it's water so it's basically it's on a little timer uh, if you google Dutch bucket there's a there's an old video series out there. you'll know the guy I'm talking about because it's sweet 90s cutoff shorts <laughs> but it's really straightforward to the point. Um, I can't remember his name I'll, I'll send you the link but uh, you have buckets you I use perlite unless you have cheap perlite near you just go get pea gravel okay. um, and grow it in because pea gravel is way cheaper it's heavier but you're only gonna set it up once if you're doing it right um, and your the pump works. 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. four times a day. Mm -hmm. And it fills, it goes basically on top. The roots get what they need to get. They grow down through all those gaps in the rock or the perlite. Um, It was stupid easy. Mm -hmm. It really was. And they were eight feet tall in less than two months. Yeah. So that, I I can't say enough good things about for the time investment for how little time it's $20 pump. I'm you go by the buckets on Facebook, Book marketplace on Craigslist. Don't spend more than a buck. A
1: bucket. I was eyeing up your square pails. I love those things. I seen them in yeah. your picture. I was like, I gotta ask him about his buckets.
0: Yeah. <laughs> those, yeah, those are from a creamery. They were they were a bucket piece. So it's great. In square yeah.
1: pails, square buckets, whatever. They're awesome. they a yeah. yeah. lot harder to tip over. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Plumbing was super easy. There's a a little gauge. Anyways, it's I'll send you the link on where that is, but that was super easy. Um we've got heavy clay soil here where mm-hmm. um, we are in milford i put down two feet of compost in our greenhouse that's what i did during the pandemic our neighbor next door had sheep that he pinned so i had a front end loader so we had unlimited compost We're now our, our soils is great but it's really tough to grow tomatoes in but, but it
2: will great. be good because we have all this rabbit and goat poop <laughs> That we can turn into compost. That we were able to go to. Spirko had, had like a weird twenty. Pay twenty dollars, get fed. Load up some compost piles. Learn how to do this at your house. So that's what we learned how to do. Yeah. <laughs> any any plans
1: on? So you're going to do uh, IBC totes. You're going to turn them into. Do you say hydroponics? <laughs>
2: Yes. And maybe aquaponics. I've been asked, well, I asked John what kind of vegetables did he grow that he got the biggest bang for his buck because last year it was so hot and we couldn't get enough water to all of our vegetables. that It all ended up dying. So I figure, well, the bull got into
0: the greenhouse and ate everything too.
2: And really? It was, yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> How are you gonna solve that? Um, he's hamburger now. <laughs> that did it. Okay.
2: And then uh, for permaculture, we have uh, the start of a guild forest.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I've got I've got right at twenty eight fruit trees in the ground, and then we I just planted uh, another twenty five mulberry and twenty five elderberry. So. And then I've got another half dozen peach trees on their way. They should be here next week. And we cherries.
2: We just use the the bare root stock from Missouri.
0: Yeah. So here's here's the thing if you're in the States. So uh, the University of Missouri Conservation Service, their extension office, if you Google it, you'll find it. They sell seedlings for anywhere from twenty five to sixty cents per seedling. These are bare root and they're pushing three feet tall. They are super healthy uh the shipping's 18 dollars flat rate and persimmon hick- they have a full line of hardwoods and uh coniferous trees and then they've got a limited amount of fruit trees but they do have mulberry elderberry persimmon and then they have some uh Chickasaw plum cherokee plum depending on what racial slur you want to throw out there um they've got those available as well but the price you can't beat it they had mm-hmm. cottonwood that we bought this year for um Fodder trees. fodder trees, and that's why we planted the extra mulberries was for fodder as well. That's a,
1: that's a great tip. Did you say Missouri? Is
0: that right? Yeah, mm-hmm. University of Missouri Extension Service Conservation Service. Bang for your buck. They're super healthy plants. There is no place that comes close to that price.
1: Mm-hmm. And they'll ship anywhere in the country. Yes, mm-hmm.
0: anywhere in the states. Yeah, it's probably the forty-eight. And okay. you'll have some restrictions. Some states you can't bring in fruit trees or whatever, depending sure. on you know who's put up fences, but. It is as for a homestead for the money, mm-hmm. man. You can't beat it. You just can't. But walnuts, pecans—I mean, they have everything in the world you could ever hope for at that price point. It's it's fantastic.
1: This one might be for you, Russ, because you were talking about getting good insurance mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah, Brady's so, so, garden. Yeah, want yeah. to know. How do you know if it's good insurance?
0: Yeah, that, that's absolutely, that's a great question. I think the big thing is I went with cost plus 25%. That's what I'm paying extra for. Oh, so you
2: can tell about Kyle's friend. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: So that, that's, and the reason I did that, the only reason I knew, knew about this, I'll take a step back is um, I have two buddies named Kyle here because that was the only name they were given out in 1982 <laughs> to, to white dudes. But uh, his buddy, his best friend from high school is a doctor was over the McKenzie River in Oregon, had just bought the place, Uh, beautiful. I mean, unbelievably pretty place. Wildfire comes through. He got the money back to buy the piece of burnt land. Couldn't rebuild anything. He had just enough to pay the note off, not enough to rebuild anything. So because he had gone with the minimum insurance to save that money. So my best friend uh, from Idaho was an insurance agent for a while up four years so we talked about this and what the cost plus 25 percent is is the actual cost of buying all your uh goods the house being rebuilt to, to the way it was before and at the end of that process they, they paid all your costs and they scratch a check for another 25 percent so it's it's again like i said it's an extra 500 bucks a year versus what i was paying before but for the cost of today's prices, you know, an extra 10 times eaten out a year.
1: Mm-hmm. You're adding $40 a month to your payment. Yeah. You pay mm-hmm. by yeah. The money, That's it. Right?
0: That's-, That's it. Yeah. We paid yearly down here, but yeah, that in, in my mind, that, that was a no brainer is to have that. So at the end, so whatever shortfalls, things that you didn't have in your policy, things you didn't see about that 25% should make you whole mm-hmm. and get you to at least the same place you were before you left. And then having it having it in your policy, so the entire time up to a year, they'll pay for uh, alternative lodging. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's in the policy. Um, you know, here because of tornadoes, we have a metal roof. Um, the, oh, the the cellar is part of that policy. My shop's part of that policy. My tools are in in that policy. So um, yeah, but it's definitely something to go talk to the agent. And, and you never know, right, about the good insurance. But right. uh, so Farm Bureau is who we're with here in Oklahoma. And, I mean, that's a really old, long-term, uh, farm-friendly, you know, and, and financially stable as much as anyone is today, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so that, that's what we went with.
2: Oh, we are going to do solar.
0: Yeah. So with the Trump Bucks, I bought uh, two Sunday Boy 6K uh inverters there are two separate ones and then i nice. bought with the biden bucks we bought 36 gray market uh solar panels so there's uh solarelec.com they're out okay. of miami they've been around for like he's been in business almost 40 years they're used solar panels okay and they have thousands of them in this warehouse down there english is not the first language of any of the cubans answering the phone down there but okay. they were fantastic it was 30 cents on the dollar versus new the panels I got were three years old. So if, if you buy solar for your house, if you lease the solar and you die, what happens right. to those panels? Right. right. They get repossessed. They come, they take those panels off the house. They get sold for pennies on the dollar at auction. And there's all there are a ton of these folks across the country selling used solar panels. Um, I went with Astro Energy, I think, because they have their own uh, – insurance policy for 25 years on the, on the panels. But okay. the thing about solar panels, it was a hedge against inflation. That was the reason that's what I was looking at. And I figured at the time when I bought them, it would take about 11 years to pay back. That was with our monthly bill averaging a hundred bucks a month. I mean, our, our monthly bills over $200 a month now in just three years, it's already doubled. So that's now yeah. the payback is going to be four to five years. Wow. So that's, that- yeah, that's the only thing that makes sense, because all you're doing in my mind, if you're not off grid and we're not, all you're doing is you're paying up front for your uh, today's price for solar into the future. So it's just a hedge against inflation. If the price stays the same, you, you've got a fixed cost for the next X number of years till you break even. right? If the price goes up, you've you've gotten that money back on the back end. So that's that's all it is.
1: Next is, do you have to deal with the state ag department when you're selling your meat or veggies or anything? So we're allowed versus able, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no.
0: So um, Texas had fantastic cottage food laws. You can do, I think, up to 20,000 chickens a year in Texas before you have to be USDA inspected, <laughs> which is just a, God, I couldn't imagine killing uh, 100, 100 chickens a day. Yeah, yeah. But uh Oklahoma... there there are a few caveats um, here, but for the most part, uh, all of our beef, right now we're using a USDA uh, inspected butcher. So all that stuff's fine to resell, their name stamped on it. Um, I had some places down, so you just have to be smart about it the way, when you're selling beef, if you're in a place where you can't resell beef, when you take that beef in, that beef doesn't belong to you, you've already sold it to this customer. Mm -hmm. So you're delivering this beef for Mrs. Smith, mrs smith's name is going to be in everything you're paying the bill as a service and you're gonna go get recouped from mrs smith right
1: -hmm. it's all semantics it is it really is
0: and i mean we got stopped for the first time last year uh in october we took we were taking uh well we had four beef last year Mm -hmm. at one time and uh you know the ag folks were at the exit and you know it was a a 12-minute conversation super friendly uh, Texas is really good about because we're coming from Oklahoma down to Texas as long as you're going to a butcher there was no paperwork if you're going to butcher story all the stories match they let you know it's good conversation they were friendly on we went. that's awesome but the big thing is if you're selling to people you know you're gonna have a much different experience than if you're trying to advertise and brand you know random strangers because yeah. you're gonna get a certain percentage of crazy and even among friends and people that you you deal with right great. Recent story: We have a guy that he's retired. Um, My my buddy cow that run cows with he was best one of the groomsmen in his wedding. Right, this guy was trying to get us to sell him steaks for eight dollars a pound. He didn't want the hamburger; he just wanted all steak. You know, I'm like, that's not how this works. So, and the thing was, we were very polite and friendly to him, but we will never ever let that guy know again that we have beef to sell. So, you want to, you want to. know cherish your good customers and you want to fire your bad customers and we'll never talk to that guy about anything beef related he is out honey um what eggs everything he's Mm -hmm. he's dead to us now
1: yeah because it's not worth it no it's not learned that early on i fired a few customers yeah got one more here for you skeins girl says how much space does it take to raise turkeys
0: so turkeys take more space than you than you'd think Uh, free range is your best option on them because they, they're, they're really good about coming back. If you raise them with the chickens, they'll just go where the chickens go and come back. The thing that I learned on turkeys is don't confine them to a small space the night before, uh, you're going to butcher them because it looks like Mike Tyson, (laughs) went oh. through it oh they fought they fought the entire night <laughs> their faces were all rused and rearranged i bring them in there and the mexican fellow that was uh, doing the processing he's like you put them in a small space huh <laughs> yeah so it, it, they they need space to roost uh they can't be in a small space and they have to have a place to get off the ground or they're going to fight on the ground okay. so it, but as long as they have a roost, at, they're not doing any one-legged you know back kicks
2: and she might she might want to know like what's like in Milford where we raise these tur- turkeys, it was an old ho- horse barn, so okay. the chicken coop was in one hole,
0: yeah, one of the stalls, one yeah.
2: of the stalls. Yeah.
0: So it was about ten by ten. 10 by 12 something like that. So it wasn't a big space.
2: And they only came they were only all together when they came in for the night. Yeah, and in roosting
0: they were fine. So I put them in <clears throat> I had a uh, a chicken coop that I I put them all in one of the uh Siskovich type chicken coops mm-hmm. that I put them in. It was too small. <laughs> too small. So but up until that point, as long as you have they have a place to the roost, they, they they figure stuff out fairly easily. Um if you get aggressive turkeys or aggressive tur- uh, roosters yeah, that day, yeah. so you, you get one shot. And the other thing is is that temperament is part of heritability. So you don't want that rooster fertilizing your eggs anyways. You want super docile, very protective of their hens, but just ignores humans. That's what you're looking for in roosters. Mm-hmm. And if you three or four generations of bringing that in, you get some really, really sweet, roosters that will go fight coyotes until their last breath to save the ladies. And that's what you're looking for.
1: Well, guys, we've done well, we, 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 we killed an hour and a half just like that. So we did that's great.
0: I, I'm a chatty I, bitch.
1: No, I, I love it. You know, anytime that I can just sit back and ask a few questions, it makes my, makes my day, my week. I love it. And uh yeah, it's fun talking. But how, uh, how does everybody find you if they want to follow you uh, now? I didn't mention this earlier, and I should have. But I have all your links in everywhere, so the description. So, first off, that's the way. But where are you guys? So, if people want to support you and find you, what do they do?
2: We're on Facebook, Instagram. We have a blog, which the seventy-five hard.
0: It's really cut into (laughs) our blogging time. Cut into my (laughs)
2: blogging time. Four hours a
0: day working out will do that to you. Yep.
2: (laughs) But. We have a blog, uh, Snow Farms. Everything is Snow Farms, or we each have our own accounts as well. Yeah.
0: So I think what Instagram is probably the best place to go because you can find everything from there. You can see what we're doing. So, you know, was that snow.farms.ok?
2: Yeah.
0: And then uh, we've got the little podcast going too. And the big thing about the podcast is basically that's geared to if I was 25 and thinking about this. Answering those questions of the how and the why and what we're doing, and just all the, all the all my best mistakes, sharing what those were and how to avoid those. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I shared your uh, your blog uh, URL there in the comments again too. So I pinned oh. it tonight, but after a while it just kind of gets lost in the shuffle. So oh yeah. Well, thank you guys. Um, I'd love to have you back again in a few months. See how your journey's gone. See oh see yeah, that would be course. awesome. Yeah, Anybody anytime you
0: want to us back yeah oh we'd love to and thank you very much for having us really appreciate the time and and you're super sweet in person meeting you and look forward to seeing you again in tennessee later on this year
1: absolutely yeah i'll be there and then i don't know if you'll be at srf in october but i'll be there as well so
0: there's a really good chance about the october thing as well because again we don't get out that much and uh it's a short burst it's easy to get down to and it was super actionable information that we got Mm -hmm. So it was well worth the time
1: well, thank you guys. If you want to hang for a second in the background, I'll close up and I'll be right yeah. back with you. If you're okay, okay, yep, perfect. Guys, I hope you enjoyed that. This was fun. I uh, we 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 overcame. Uh, we overcame everything and anything, and and we got a good show out of it. These guys were great. I loved. I absolutely want to have them back on. So make sure you get out and support them. As far as Snow Farms, go there and yeah. Give them support on their blog, on their podcast, on their YouTube channel, on Instagram, all of that. Um, that. Yeah, So, and also don't forget about Self-Reliance Festival because this is the last episode basically before the event starts. So get out, get your tickets, and uh, I will see you next Thursday with another in the installment of our Empty Container Series. We're going to be doing 55-gallon drums. So as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.